welcome back to another episode of Daryl's Daring Thoughts. Thanks for joining me. I have a special guest in the house today, and I well, not in the house, but remotely in the house today. <laughs> and I am, we in the house. We in the house, but not together. <laughs> and I am so excited to have her. You may have. You may have heard of her from The Voice um, season. Oh, my goodness. I just lost my train of thought. Was it season 13? What season was this? 13. 13, right? Yeah. Yep, that's what I was going to say. Season 13. Or from Sunday Service singing with Kanye West, the lead, one of the lead vocalists. Girl can blow, child. This is the good old <laughs> fabulous Keisha Renee. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for doing this. I have been a fan of yours for, yep, for about three years now, and I've admired you so much, and when I had this opportunity, I said, I have to have Keisha on this podcast <laughs> to talk about a few <laughs> thank things. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. So you're kicking off our Pride Month. And I'm so excited. Hey. Yes, I'm so excited because I know you're. A, I know you're an advocate, um, oh, yeah. for the community. And I wanted to start the month off talking to you about some, you know, voice things and just some things going on with your musical career, and talk about your EP and just things that are possibly coming up in the future as soon as Rona leaves us alone. So, okay. you know, so just, just talk to you about a few things if that's okay with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, where should I start? Um, well, well, let me ask you a few questions first. So, okay, cool. Um, you definitely have been clearly you've been singing all your life. I'm pretty sure you were hitting notes when you came out the womb. So, <laughs> um, that's very obvious that you are um, a talented singer and something you've been doing forever but when was the moment when when did the moment click in your mind where you said you know this th this is it this this is this is my calling this is what I'm I'm meant to do um I mean like you said I've been singing for a long time ever since I can remember um but I would have to say it probably was when um you know that moment in the choir where you get your solo and you see the reaction of the church and then they give you another one and then you know, you, you get you you continue to get like, you know, these leads and then I became a part of a girl group at a young age, um, by the name of Tenacity. Um, and one of the um, other members in the group was Amber Riley. So it's like oh, really? I'm growing up with a, yeah, with like amazing people who knew what they wanted to do at a young age. We were like thirteen, fourteen, maybe fifteen um years old and um uh, pursuing it professionally. So it's like I, I knew it at a young age, like from the moment I saw Whitney Houston sing, I will always love you or I have nothing. Just stand there with so much grace and elegance yes. and belt out this vocal that touched your soul. Like I felt every note, like every run, I felt her intention and um, to want to do that and then get the opportunity to uh, hone in on my gifts at such a young age. I went to a church that was kind of like a mega church before mega churches was popping. Um, I grew up in LA and I grew up at Crenshaw Christian Center under uh, Pastor Frederick Tracy Price. And um, it had a lot of like famous people that went there. So I guess my opportunity, um, like when I got that solo, people that were in the congregation, you know, saw the gift. I got a manager at a young age who was someone that 
attended the church. Um, so I, you know, was blessed to get the opportunity to um, show my gift and people actually take interest in it at such a young age. And I had such a uh, supportive family who said, yeah, she's talented. So let's, you know, support her by any means. So I was in talent shows and, you know, in that group where we actually traveled um, Southern California, Northern California on weekends. So I, instead of, you know, being outside like every other kid, I was actually like gigging at 11 years old. Um, you know, making my little $50 in a girl group, splitting it between the girls, you know, but it was like, <laughs> it was like, you know, a little taste of it. And I knew then, like, this is what I want to do forever. Like, I want to, you know, sing for the rest of my life. So that's kind of how it all got started. I've been at it forever. <laughs> right. Literally. And you have, and that was like in the 2000s and stuff like that. So that was when, you know, it was a lot of different choices in music. That's back when music was really, you know, yeah. ev- everywhere, you know, it was girl groups, boy groups. It was just, it wasn't no yeah, one person was... doing everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't like the, the, um, especially in our culture, like our culture at that time, like in the late 90s, early 2000s, we really, um, we really thrived. Like hip hop was banging, R&B was like yes. amazing. And we had so many um, people that curated our culture at that time from like the new additions, like I said, the early 90s, then the 2000s, you had like a 112 or um, you had a Jodeci. Like we had so many groups, right. but yet you had those solo artists. So we had so many things to choose from yes. um, that you actually had the ability to grow your own type of love and your own gifts because you had so many people to look up to. Um, you know, today I think everything kind of sounds the same and we're just making music to feel good for the moment. But back then it was music that lasted a lifetime. We still play these things at seven reunions and certain functions, that one song that will never die. And that's what music gave us back then. And that's what I want to get to us next. (laughs) So what was, um, so you, so for some, for some of my listeners who may not know, um, some of your background, um, you have been singing with a lot of major artists and um, just wanted you to talk about that for a little second before we really get into the voice when a lot more people got to yeah. see you in front in the front lines and not behind someone. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said, growing up, I was, um, I wanted to be with the Houston. So I never really, um, focused on the, the supporting people, like everything that made it happen. I just thought Whitney stand in there and I thought that's all I had to do is just stand there. Um, but I was blessed to um, work at a club in LA at the time called um, the Conga Room. And on Mondays, Danny Fox had a, um, a night there where he would broadcast on, um, I think it's called uh, Satellite Radio. What is it? F- FM Satellite Radio. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had like a station on there called the Foxhole. And so on Mondays, he had Foxhole Singers, which was myself and a few other people. We would open up the show, sing in a cover, and then our job was to sing background for the re- the remaining of the night for all the artists that came to entertain. Oh. Um, because it was Danny Fox, of course, he brought, you know, celebrities. So by having that job, I think I was like 21, 22 maybe, um, having that job, just being a Foxhole singer, I sung my one song, and then I had the opportunity of singing behind Neo, you know, if the BET Awards was there, 
on that Sunday, that Monday, people were coming to the Congo room and they were honoring someone that, you know, was there at the BET Awards. So it brought all kinds of stars and celebrities. And I got the opportunity to sing background to so many people just by having that job. Um, but one night I was there and Jill Scott um, has been and is still one of my favorite artists. Um, growing up as a plus size girl, she was someone I identified with that was in the industry. Um, you know, when you have a dream, it's really easy to be inspired by someone that you look like because right. it, it becomes more attainable. Um, and being the industry was so like self-absorbed, you got to be sexual and show everything um, to see a beautiful black woman that was plus size, making an industry, singing about something that was relatable, singing about something that was more than just fluff. I was inspired. And so that was, you know, someone that I covered a lot coming up. And this night, I just so happened to be singing The Way by Jill Scott, and she was there. And wow. <laughs> I will never forget, right? I will never forget. I'm just going through the motions. You know, this is my job. So I'm singing my song. And um, at the time, I think uh, the host was Mark Curry, Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Mm -hmm. I think it was either him or the musical director, which is Nissan Stewart. They were trying to get my attention to let me know, like, she's here because my eyes are closed I'm singing it you know I'm just giving it my all and um she walks on stage so when I open my eyes I have Jill Scott standing before me and I'm like oh my god so I try to hand her the mic like girl you want to sing your own song my bad <laughs> <laughs> you know and she she literally bowed down to me and I was just like if you don't knock it off like are you kidding me right now like you are you know the the, the thing for me you're my idol at this time this is someone that I look like you know, and what, what are you doing? And she got on that mic and gave me my flowers, so to speak, right then and there. Um, we exchanged information and the following day she asked me to come to the studio. Um, and I became, um, her background singer for a few, um, a period what? of time where she did this album. Yeah. Ain't that crazy? So that's kind of like what started. Um, I did a lot of background on the gospel side coming up as a teenager. Cause you know, living in LA, I had, um, a lot of resources. That's why people, you know, move to LA right. for the dream because it's accessible. It's there. So I was blessed to grow up there. So I had the opportunity, like when I'm in high school to be on the celebration of gospel in the choir, you know what I'm saying? Seeing behind Mary, Mary or Donna McClurk and, you know, this little quick gig, but this right. is something that I'm doing as a kid. You know what I'm saying? So this is like someone's dream and I'm just on a Saturday going to BT rehearsal, you know? So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> It's crazy because I, I had this dream and I've been hungry for it for a long time. But um, when I got the opportunity to do it on the secular side, it was just like, I didn't even know it was a job. You know, like I didn't know background singing and touring, flying to different cities with this artist, singing at shows was a career, a job. And that's where it all started. So make a long story short, I started singing for her. Um, and the industry is referral, you know, who knows you, your ability. And that's why you're first impression is everything you know right. it's really easy to mess up that one chance with you know your attitude or you may be having a bad day but everyone's watching so that opportunity turned into another referral um for adam lambert from american idol yes and um i toured with him for about two years and that man took me to places i didn't even know existed like, this is a girl from Inglewood who saw Whitney Houston and just knew she wanted to be a star. But I didn't know, like, the magnitude of, it's a world out there. Like, it's not just the United States. It's not just London. You know, the things that we hear about. 
but it's places like Indonesia. It's places like Bali. And I'm like, what is this? Like, we going where? <laughs> I'm in Asia. And I'm just like, I never, I never thought that this was going to be my life. Right. You know, I wanted to be the star. But God was making that path for me to get the insight of what it, you know, takes to be an artist, what goes into it. Like, I, being a touring background singer, see that it's more than just standing there and singing. It's so many movement parts. It's so many people that make it happen. Um, and it's, it's a team of <laughs> so many people. Like, if you are a Beyonce or a Nicki Minaj, God, wait, you got so many people that depend on you to feed their family. So it's a, it's a big responsibility, but it's fun when it's your passion and it's, you know, right. what you can't see yourself not doing. So um, here I am. I'm 33, and I've been doing this forever. So I'm still, you know, fighting for that dream. But my nine to five, so to speak, has not been bad at all. It has um, exposed me to the world. Okay. (laughs) I have seen the world. Um, I've met beautiful, amazing people across the world that I have developed friendships with to this day, their family. Um, And I'm just, I'm blessed. I cannot, I cannot complain at all because it's so many people out there that have jobs that they're miserable in and it's not their passion. It's not their gift. And I get to do a nine to five, keep my lights on by still doing something that I love. It's still using my gift. I still get to meet someone like you and connect with you. You said you've been a fan, but I consider you my friend now. You know what I'm saying? We keep you and we have a good time. And um, I wouldn't have been able to connect with you if I didn't have the platform that God has given me throughout, you know, my journey. And I'm grateful for it. It's not what I thought I would be doing. I thought I would be with Nisha by now. But the journey prepared me. And I'm yes. still going to get there. Don't get me wrong. Yes, you are. <laughs> but, yes, you are. But it hasn't. Every child, every tribulation has uh, prepared me for where I'm going, and I'm grateful for that. Oh, Ooh, that just touched me. Touched <laughs> 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 me. So, and also, you guys, she also same background for Nicki Minaj. Like, you can't leave that girl. You can't. You can't. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a barb. So we got a. <laughs> I'm a barb. That has been my longest. That's my. That's my longest standing job. I cannot leave Miss um, Onika out. Um, I've worked with her since 2012 um, to the present. I mean, if she called me right now, I'm getting on the plane. Um, so that's my homie, big homie. Yes. And um, she has shared her platform with me so generously. I'm forever um, grateful, forever um, just thankful for that. Cause, yes. You know, people think, um, and I think because, like, even I can use me as an example. I'm not the best example of what background singing um, emulates. Because a background singer is simply just that support. You know what I'm saying? We are in the back to hold down what you hear on that track that kind of fills it up. Um, But I have been blessed to work for a hip-hop artist who loves singing and implemented that in her hip-hop show and gave me however long it was to stand out there by myself and use the gift that God gave me to touch people all around the world. And it's just like, who would have knew? Like, I I wouldn't have thought that I would have toured for almost nine years with a rapper. (laughs) Right, and I got to sing you know people know me because of what I love to do and she has putting me on she's putting me on so many platforms we that good morning America clip that has circulated for years Mm -hmm. (laughs) the night is still young is so inspirational but that's something that is stamped in history and I'm a part of it yes and that's crazy that's amazing (laughs) you know I'm like and there's not that many rappers um, or hip hop stars right. that do that, and right, it's, it's right. like it 
feel like even watching the clips it's like it's y'all it's y'all concert not that you're backing her up it's like you up there, right. you up there for a minute <laughs> Yeah, I used to always joke with her, like, in the, the dressing room and stuff, like, girl, we should just be a group. Nicki Minaj and the Menagette, you know? Come on. And she would crack up, like, <laughs> girl, shut up. But, yeah, I mean, that's, this is someone, like I said, from the gate gave me a platform, so I will forever have her back, you know? Right, right. She didn't have to do that. They People that are background singers, you're just supposed to be back there. <laughs> You know, right. doing your little do I pop pop as Kmart saying, yes. you know, you saying that little lady. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when artists, another artist that was a great example of that was JoJo. I toured with JoJo oh. just thinking that this was a background gig, you know what I'm saying? And she's such a beautiful spirit. Her camp is such a beautiful spirit. Like, we were all on the same tour bus. And it's not, um, nothing. Well, in my experience, I've never really toured where the artist is on the bus with me. Um, and so that was a different experience, and it was beautiful. So out of all the tours that I've ever been on, from Nikki, Adam, a Jill Scott, a Bad Boy tour with Diddy and all these other artists that I've adored growing up, she was the best one because it was so personal, and I got to, like, know her. You know, a lot of artists are kind of, you know, they're, they're guarded because they feel like, you know, what do you want? And I get it, you know, because somebody always wants something. But she really, you know, being on a tour bus, you're sleeping with this person, like with the bunk right next to him. So this is like you and you roommate at this point, you know? Right. So to like be welcomed into that and we really became a family within that like four months. It was amazing. And then she got sick a little bit. Um, and we had to reschedule some t- um, tour dates and I got to become the opener. On wow. some of those uh, dates. So on that tour, I became the opening artist uh, for 10 dates. 10 cities. <laughs> Where didn't nobody know who I was, but she trusted 30 minutes to me to, hey, do what you got to do with this crowd. And then go in the back, change your clothes, and do your job. And I was blessed tremendously from that. Who does that? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's crazy. So... My journey and the blessings that God has given me to like stay in there, and I, I feel like that's what it is because it's hard. This um, anybody that is a creative can hats off to you yes. because it's a hard um, it's a hard road, especially if this is something that you truly truly believe in and you go, okay, I have to give it my all. And sometimes you quit a nine to five and you go for it. It's hard. You're gonna get knocked down. You're gonna get nosed. It's gonna be, hey, can you do it for a hundred dollars? Can you do it for free? You know, and it's like, some this for me, this is how I feed my child, you know, and I've been blessed with a journey to where God throws things in there to say, keep going. You know, here's a, a, a medium blessing because there's a big one, but if you stop, how are you going to get there? So here's something else that, here's another crumb to keep you eating, you know what I'm saying? Right. And that's been my journey. It's been so many times where I wanted to say, forget this, like, and let me just go be a nurse. Let me go get me a little banking job. Let me get me something stable. <laughs> because so job. many people depend on me. Stop that. I know how to count money real fast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but something. let me go be a teacher. Let me go do something that is just secure so that I could be, you know, okay. But I'll be miserable. Not that those jobs are miserable. Don't get me wrong. But me, it's just like, I know what God gave me. I know my purpose. So it's like, I'm going to fight for it. It may be good days, it may be bad days, but overall, I'm blessed beyond measure. 
and that's what keeps me going. That is you know? amazing. So after all that, you guys, like she didn't toured. All this was way before the voice. Like the voice ain't the, the voice ain't do nothing. So why the voice? What made you say, okay, let me do this? So the voice happened. Um, it was really crazy too because I was on tour with JoJo at the time, and the voice has a lot of rounds that you you know go through before they actually yes, um, pick who's gonna you know, go to the blind audition process. It's, it's a process. Mm-hmm. And so they called me and they were like, you know, the executives, the producers are really, really interested and they wanted you to come, you know, and audition for them. But I'm on tour. I'm at work, so I can't, you know, break my obligation to them. So they were just like, well, maybe we'll consider you for next season. So I thought it was over with. So, you know, here I am in a, another city waiting for, you know, sound check. And I get a call saying that, you know, they want to just move forward. Um, can you do a Skype interview type thing and they're just going to push you straight to the blind. So I was just like, wow, that's crazy. Okay. So when I get off tour, I go, um, back to LA. I'm sorry, Paul. But we're kind of like, yeah. So <laughs> they just said, okay, well, we want to keep going forward. So we just gonna push you to the blinds. Okay. There you have, yeah, there, like I, I didn't there's do, a tattoo of, um, I didn't there's do a tattoo red favor on your body somewhere that you just don't see. Listen. And I received, I see it. I recognize it. I'm grateful for it because I'm, I don't even know. I cannot explain it, but I'm grateful. That's the only word that can really sum it up because I know like my life, um, it hasn't been like what people would think. Like I was 356 pounds touring with a Nicki Minaj where I had an audition or another artist like a Rihanna and they say, Hey, you too big. Right. Or you 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 too tall or you too this. But God has ordained my path to work just for me. I'm with one of the iconic rap female rap artists yes. of all time. And she puts me on stage and say, Go for it. No matter how I look and, and this industry is very like, uh uh-huh, you gotta have it together. Right. You know what I'm saying? And that's why years later, I said, okay, if I really want to do this, I'm going to put forth the effort to fit the mold. You can't be a lawyer and don't go to school. Right. So I can't say I want to be an artist and not do the work. That's true. But I say all that to say, um, you know, the way he's blessed me has been so that I know it's only him. You know, because it's been so crazy. Right. Like, I'm, I'm touring with someone that looks past how I look when everybody else did me. But it's the top artist. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's like you go for all these other things. Everybody's saying no, but your yes is someone like a Nicki Minaj where it just surpasses everybody else. So it don't matter what y'all said. Because here I am with, <laughs> you know, someone who has ran the industry for the last seven, eight years. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's just like, I, okay, your no's now mean nothing. So that's like, you can get 12 no's, but if that yes outweighs all 12 of them, it was worth it. Yes. And they, and everything has been so worth it. So, um, um you must the voice. flip this table yeah, over that's... and it's expensive equipment on it, so let me start. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. So, I mean, I get this call and they're breaking rules that is unheard of. Like, I don't have to go through none of them. And I want to tell you, it's like four or five auditions before blinds, and I skip all of that. So, I get off tour, I get there, 
and um, I start that process, and it's great. I did American Idol in 2011, so I'm kind of like um, aware of like the TV process and what goes into it. But one thing I would say about The Voice, they really wanted to um, showcase people that took artistry serious. You know, with Idol, anybody can audition and be people in there with chicken suits on and all kind of stuff just to entertain. But The Voice actually wants like established artists that are really, really trying to um, put an imprint on the industry but need that extra, you know, exposure, that extra push. So the reason why I did it um, is because throughout my journey, I, being 356 pounds at one time, was trying to figure out where do I fit in an industry? Like, what would be my gimmick for them to look past my physical? So I did, you know, pop. I did, you know, house music. I did EDM. Trying to figure out, like, well, how would they accept the big girls? Um, but through the journey, I was just like that. I made great music, but here I am, you know, still not where I think I should be. So around 2015, I said, I'm just going to start doing music that spoke to me. Um, but industry is still gimmick. And someone who went from 356 pounds to at one point, 180, you know, I'm still not going to show my, my skin. You know, I'm not about to be in a crop top because it's still some imperfection. So it's just like I did the work, but I still didn't. Um, and I never will feel comfortable with showing myself because that's not who I am. You know what I'm saying? Right. When you used to show herself. And that was my 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 guide. That was my example. It was elegant. So why can't I be elegant? Why do I have right. to be, you know, trashy to sell a, a song? Like, no, I shouldn't have to do that. So the the genre that I identify with when I looked at their platform was country music. Country women can have on a turtleneck with some dates deuce and some boots and they can still sell their album. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And they don't have to degrade themselves for you to listen to their singles. So I was just like, hmm, what if I mix that genre with my foundation of soul and create my own lane? I want to make and I love a story. I love storytelling. I love a song where when someone is singing, you can actually kind of like see a movie of it playing out. Yes. Like I want to, I want detail. And that's a genre that gives you detail. The song will have you really thinking about some stuff. Um, so I was just like, let's figure it out. Let's just create your own lane. And when the voice hit me up, that was the one condition that I had. I do not want to come on this show singing R&B. I don't want to do the typical. I want to go for what I believe in. I want to be a storyteller. I don't want to be Dolly Parton, but I want to be country soul. And so because it was a TV show, they had to paint a certain picture. Um, and it was very, um, I loved it. It was very, uh, to me, it was a mixture of my vision of Whitney Houston and Dolly Parton. I wore a lot of like pretty flowy dresses and it was just very polished. I love that. I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was, um, over-sexualized just to be heard and I loved it and so I was like this is something that I definitely could see myself doing and then comes the backlash of being an African-American woman who's saying that they want to sing country music it yes. was like what? Oh, we gonna, we gonna, we, we gonna, we gonna get into that I got that in my notes <laughs> I got that I in my notes because I, I, I argued with a I went I went toe to toe with a few people on Listen. Instagram. Like I had to tell my friends like, can y'all please stop responding? Because people were really going back and forth, and I was just like, I I'm appalled that this is something, but this is actually a thing. 
But y'all, if y'all answer to everybody, y'all gonna be here for years. <laughs> so just stop. <laughs> I, I was up late, late at nights going in on people like, <laughs> like cursing them out. Like, right, right. Oh, and I didn't even know you yet. Yeah. <laughs> like, y'all, y'all leave her alone. Right. <laughs> y'all don't leave her yeah, alone I mean, and go listen to Taylor Swift. Right, if that's what you want. If that's what you want, yeah. leave her alone. <laughs> oh, but, I'm sorry. Yeah. Ooh, they, they, but that they, was they, that they was the road me. to right. But that was the road to the voice. I told them I'm doing country and they tried it every step of the way. Like they, you know, you have you're assigned a producer that is supposed to like create your story and all this. And she's like, Are you sure? And I'm like, Listen, lady <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing country. This is what we're doing. If you about to put me on national television, I'm not about to sit up here and, you know, play myself. Like, that's easy. I can do that, but that's not what I want to do. So I get to The Voice, and my blind audition song was mm. Bust Your Windows Out Your Car. I said, are y'all kidding me? Wait, what? I said country. Yes, exactly. They wanted to give you Jasmine yeah, Sullivan? I'm not under contract anymore, so listen. I said, what are y'all doing? <laughs> Bust Your Windows? Like, y'all didn't hear nothing I said. So, they said, okay. So, then I got, I can't stop loving you. And it was like a 1950s, 1940s, 1950s um, song by this guy named Rob Gibson. But Ray Charles did it, did a cover of it. Uh So, that's how they kind of, like, made it okay. Like, hey, Ray Charles did it. So, it got to be kind of like a country soul thing, right? They were trying to figure it out. But they had, they rubbed me the wrong way with bust your windows out the car. And so my whole time at um, The Voice with picking songs was like a battle because it was either uh, a 1930s song where the lady is saying she's so, so sad that her man is gone. It's just like, what? (laughs) Or it was bust your windows out the car. That's something that wasn't country at all. So it was just like, I had to fight for the song choices that I had. That you guys saw, at least. So when I did uh, Midnight Train to Georgia, yes. that was supposed was that like a to compromise? be the. Um, <laughs> so let me tell you, it, it was it was crazy how we got there um, because they do weeks um, different. So when we got to the live part, that's when it got interesting. Where it was like week one, you decide. Week two, the audience vote for a song. You know, week whatever mm-hmm. it's the judges pick. So coming out of um you know all those battle rounds the when i made it to the top 12 it was like the first live and they gave me i forgot the song but when i tell you it was like are you kidding me so you trying to send me home right now like it was so and i feel like i can sing anything i can try to make it my own yes you can but this song i don't even know like, I don't want to be offensive because I, well, I don't remember what the song was. But when I listened to it, I felt like the lady who was singing was, like, sitting over some, um, like, slaves that she had. Like, she was watching them. Mm. But she was singing about, like, her troubles. You get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, it was so outdated that I felt like it was, like, someone was singing it that had some slaves. <laughs> and I'm not singing this song, okay? <laughs> No, I'm not feeling it. I feel like whoever wrote it don't like me and don't want me to sing this song. Like they're they're like the rest of the world who don't want me to sing country music. So I'm not singing this because I I I didn't want to patronize the genre. Right. Like I didn't want to make these white people upset who was already telling me how they felt. So each week 
with my song choices. It's like y'all trying to make me like their gun range. Like, are you kidding me? Right. Because they're telling me that they don't like me. They don't like it. I don't have a twang. I don't sound like, you know, what they're used to. So why do you keep giving me these like traditional uh, staples for me to mess it up to them? That's, that's what they were saying I was doing, messing it up. So it's like, why would you keep giving me songs that are like known in the country community for me to put my little soulfulness on it for them to say, hey, you keep messing up our our staples, right. our traditional, you know, country music. So it was just like, stop shooting me in the foot. So they were like, well, give us a list of songs that you want to, you want to do, right? So I'm trying to think of country songs. I have country songs on there. And then I go, let me just put Midnight Train to Georgia on there because that's my favorite. I love Gladys Knight. Anybody who knows me, that is like, my fairy godmother in my head. <laughs> <laughs> if I was Cinderella, she would be who shows up to give me my um, whole get up. So, I was like, let me just put that on the list because that's a song that I love. I love the meaning of it. At the time, I was in a new relationship and that's how I felt. I'd rather live in your world than live without you. And so I was like, let me put this song down. And so when they picked it, I was like, oh, okay. But I felt like they picked it for me to sell. Like, okay, girl, here you go. But I went in there with ideas. I said, I need me a fiddle. I need a steel guitar. We about to country this thing going down. Music-wise, it's going to be country. And let me soul split it. And that was my opportunity to show the world what I meant by country. Yes. That was that one chance. The only chance I got. And so that's my favorite performance. On that you did not just say me. the only chance I got. <laughs> the only chance I got? I'm serious. As an audience member, I don't agree with that, but okay. What do you mean? No, I'm saying for me, see, that's what I'm saying. As an audience member, you're just a consumer. So you got to see the songs that I was given. Um, But behind the scenes, like that whole week leading leading up to taping it, I was fighting for the songs that you guys got to see. Those weren't Mm, the original songs given. Right, right. So if I were to sing the songs that I was giving, you wouldn't have saw me pass me two or three because it was like, what are those? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like I had to fight for what I sang. And some of those songs I didn't want to sing, but I had to bite the bullet and still try to create beautiful moments that were T-shirt and And I did a hell of a job. Okay? okay I was I in my room fighting for my life. I have a question yes. now. Since you said that, what song did you not want to do that you ended up doing? Um, okay, so my very first song, I Can't Stop Loving You. Right. I was like, what is that? Um, if anybody wants to Google the original version, please pull it up. And it's like, what? Completely um, different than what you did. Like, so different. Like, so different. So, that was cool. Um, when I did my battle round with Noah, I'm So Lonesome, I Could Cry. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just like, what was that? And then I felt so bad for Noah. He was like, a 17 year old boy who probably wanted like some contemporary yeah you know he probably wanted a fun song and because I'm sticking to my country gun I feel like they're you know poking at me each step of the way and he got this sucky song but we did what we did with it you know what I'm saying um what other songs so this is gonna suck because it actually was the best song um iTunes wise and I actually uh, made history what? <laughs> and I'm away. So, no, no, no. It wasn't, okay, it wasn't all by myself. That was my other, um, that was my other, like, fight. Okay. I went back and forth, like, no. And so, I feel like all by myself, they just gave that to me to, 
you know, fail again because it's it's a huge song. That's the Lady Dion. So who would ever change the, you know, arrangement to it? But I did. So we had violins and we had fiddles and they tried to make it sound instrumentational wise, like as country as possible. Um, but that's my song. I love Celine Dion and Whitney Houston. Those are my two girls. So when I got to sing all by myself and I was so emotional because that week I got attacked a lot, um, about my blackness. Um, and so when I was singing that song, I was not really thinking about the actual words because that song was talking about sex and you know yeah you know when i was you know but i was thinking about all by myself like i don't want the world to or us as a culture to feel like we can't love this type of music yes and i got so many people who was just like i love country music but they don't really say it they don't really like play the music and you know like in their car around other people like we've been made to feel ashamed yes. of loving this certain genre or any genre that ain't r&b or gospel exactly. and it's just like why when i was in junior high i loved like pop and um like a little bit of rock like leaking park and yes. stuff like that like what's wrong with it? <laughs> music is music i love in sync like and you know people poke fun at me like why you like that white stuff and it's just like it's music it's speaking to me for some reason like right. you think to your r&b and all hello come on with all of that so it's just like as a a consumer and a lover of music my palette was wide and in that moment when i was singing all by myself that was a tough week because when i tell you we did this from june of 2017 all the way until december so we had like minor small breaks, but this consumed a lot of my life. And my child was like two going on three. Right. So I missed like six months. And even though I was in LA, we were sequestered. So we had to live like we were on Mars. Like no one could know where we were. Right. So we couldn't have visits. So my baby is in the same city as me and I can't kiss her. You know, so it was by this time, I was kind of like, over it right. <laughs> i missed my child i was tired of you know being attacked for just wanting to sing and being black like that had never happened to me before so right. i was just like okay this is crazy um so and then that note at the end the um yes. that note that i had to hold that whole week i had let like fatigue get in and then i think i was coming down was like a cold. Now that whole six months, I was strong as an ox. And then that week where I felt like I had the hardest song ever, my throat wanted to start getting scratchy. So I had never held the note that I did. Um, I never uh, successfully held it through none of the practices, none of the vocals, uh, vocal lessons with like a personal vocal coach. Right. So I was freaking out. I was like, girl, how you gonna get on national television? And you have never like successfully held this note without losing your breath. <laughs> so it was a lot going on in my mind I was on the top of this pyramid where they was like uh -oh, we gotta build a back and put you in this harness so you don't fall so it was so much going on for me it was just like a defining moment I felt like I was talking to the bullies who told me I was too black to sing just period not that it was country it was just like girl you just black right and I held the note. I made it through. So I was just a ball of emotions. And so I almost caught the fear at the end. Because <laughs> the day he was standing next to me, and I think I scared him a little bit because I don't think he knows what the Holy Ghost looks like. But I was about to run because I was just like, I don't care what happens from this point, this moment on. I felt like whoever 
um, had their ill feelings towards me, I felt like I gave them the middle finger that night. Yes. Just with my vocals. I felt so, I felt so like, take that! (laughs) And it actually came across, it came across um, as a viewer watching it because I cried um that season my um i used to make people watch that season with me um and we cried well i'm just gonna be like be honest right now with you i have not watched the voice in a very long time before you got on there and i'm be honest Mm -hmm. i keep it real on my podcast i have not seen talent and people that i really just enjoyed you know on the voice and honestly some people's momentum goes away and so you just forget about mm-hmm. them. But your particular season had some heavy hitters that oh, yeah. just, I mean, I initially started watching it because Jennifer Hudson was on it. And I felt like she just brought a different dynamic yeah. to the show that hasn't been there. Mm-hmm. And so I said, let me just watch it because Jay Hood's on here. But then when I started watching it, I said, oh, wait a minute. Ooh, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I had you, I mean, you, Devon, Janice, um what's his name oh my goodness he was the very first chris Chris. um um it was just like all these people and i was like i was like jesus all these people are some singers and i was just like okay let me download this app real quick yes brooke oh my god brooke (laughs) jesus i said let me just download this app real quick and play along and see what comes of it but so your your season in my opinion made i think it defined the voice to where it is now because i think honestly before your season i would just go on and look a little bit but it w- it'll be like one or two or three people every now and then like your season mm-hmm. i when it got down to that top eight i was like i don't know how this is gonna go mm. I, I was like yeah. i know where i wanted to go right. but right I, but i don't I, know how yeah. I don't know how because yeah. when America starts voting, they start being stupid. So I was, I was little, I was little, I didn't know what was gonna happen. So I just had to say that your your right. season was really <laughs> everything. Thank you. It was a really good season. Um, it really was. And um, like one thing about these shows is like you're like I said, it was like over a six month period. And yes, you see people go, you know, as they get eliminated. But that initial, like, when everyone was there, you develop friendships and, you know, people kind of click up the personalities and, you know. So as it went on, some of the people that I started with, like David, I met him the first day. I already knew Janice. Um, Chloe, who was the winner, I met her Mm -hmm. um, because a certain amount of people who had that, like, um, that special like they couldn't make the executive um callbacks or they couldn't make certain parts of it we had to come like a week before everybody got there to do certain things like the paperwork okay. and meet with the lawyers and all that stuff so it was like 12 or 13 of us that were there i wouldn't even say a week we were there probably like three or four days prior to the whole hundred it was a hundred people that came for the blind audition so you go from 100 all the way down to now it's top 12. These people have been with you for the six months. Right, you know, right. we become family. You make friends and family with people that, you know, you're along this journey with and they become a part of your journey. And, um, like, Davon is, that is my homie, okay? Yes. Like, from that show, we have 
you know, they surprised me. My fiance got him, and I don't know if you remember Megan, Megan yep, McNeil Megan. Yep, from she, my she, season. She, 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 that she, 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 is my boo thing. Yes, that's right. I love Megan so much. Um, she was my roommate, actually, the very first roommate I had when we were in the blind. So, um, you know, we became very close because that's intimate where you lay your head down. You know what I'm saying? So you got to be okay with closing your eyes with a stranger. You know what I'm saying? And she became a sister. We both had kids, you know, single moms, and we just really connected. Um, And so my fiance surprised me and Davon and Megan uh, flew to Nashville when I lived there and we took a road trip to New Orleans for my birthday. So this is like, an experience that turned a friendship into like life memories. Like we mm-hmm. still talk about that to this day, what happened in New Orleans and that road trip. So, you know, things like this, is it's, it's beautiful because it's like you have that common denominator of, you know, the love for the art. Um, and I wouldn't have known you. I, I wouldn't have met Davon from a Baltimore and I live in LA, but this show brought us together or I wouldn't have known about a Megan McNeil from Chicago, but here we all are, you know, spending six months of our life together. And, um, it turned out to be just a great thing. Like I'm grateful for the voice for the platform it gave me, for the friendships it provided, um, the fan base that it gave me, um, everything. It was it was uh, definitely something that I wouldn't change anything about it. Um, I would do it again. Right. <laughs> In a heartbeat. Let's go, on, let's go on from the voice but I did have to say this. I did message in a song request when you were on there that I wanted you to sing. I wanted you to, uh, because you love me, but you ended up doing a Celine song anyway. So I was like, okay. yeah, okay. But I so it worked out. <laughs> it worked out because I feel like you would have killed because you love me. Um, yes, that's one of my jams. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, you gave me some great information on the voice, but that was that was some good stuff. Um, one yeah. reason I could connect- oh, and the song that I didn't oh yeah, because we so we so forgot about do. that. We okay, we were right over. It was it matters to me. It was supposed to be the um the audience pick song. And I was like, they didn't take that. <laughs> but I, I guess y'all that. did. I can see that. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. But it actually went number two on iTunes. And so I was the first African American artist to be on the country charts at number two. So I made history. Yes, with a song that did. I didn't even want to do. So God be telling me to sit back and be quiet, girl. <laughs> Baby, because you killed Rascal Flag song. I was so mad when you went home. I said, did y'all just not hear that run she did oh when that beat dropped? Like, are y'all serious right now? That that, and, and that, I actually had gotten, like, full-fledged sick. For, and that was the final week. I was, like, really cold. But, listen, that show, I feel like, you know, I love the voice. I ain't gonna give all their secrets away, but it's definitely, like, a uh, it's a TV show. Yeah. So, Yes, they're there to promote the artists, but it's more so, you know, for like the coaches and how they react and what they talking about. It's, it's we're not the main character, right? So, um, yeah. and, oh, one quick question: I, I do know this. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to know this? Do you guys really get to choose the coach you want? No, they give us. Um, well, yeah, once if they turn around, I'm talking about once so they, they turn around. They, you know. Yeah, once they turn around, you 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 have the option. So like in the beginning, they will ask you like if all the coaches turn around, who would you pick? So I was always saying Blake Shelton from the jump because he's country. You know, it's a it's a TV show. It's kind of like a game strategy type thing too. Yes. So all of that played into it. But 
um, like I said, it's a TV show, and so the the style or the genre of music are categorized. So if you have too many people here oh. saying, you know, I'm singing R&B, you're going to think, okay, everybody's going to go to Jennifer Hudson because she's the R&B person. Like, who else did they have? Molly Cyrus? She's more pop country. Maroon 5? That's pop. So it's like all they knew all the R&B lovers were going to go to Jennifer Hudson. Right. So they were trying to persuade people to, like, pick other things. Like, well, if... You know, if Blake Shelton don't turn around and Jennifer Hudson do, would you choose her? Like, or my, so they were trying to like figure out what people would do. Um, now I can't say where the judges cohort to turn around on certain people. That I don't know. Oh, that's obvious. So. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's obvious. I'm just. I've. So. I've done televisions. I'm, I've done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just. It's just obvious on certain things. Okay. Um, you know, just when you watch yeah, it sometimes. I don't know if they're told who to pick, but I didn't know that is, I was going to get yeah. all four. You know, I didn't know I was going to get all four chairs. So in that moment, even though the whole week I've been telling the producers and people who have been questioning me doing like the interviews, I'm picking Blake Shelton. I could have said, "Hey, Jennifer Hudson," and probably <laughs> screwed their little uh, character board all up, and they would have to go back and try to figure it out. But you know. They kind of try to, like, stick you with who they think you're going to go with. If they didn't feel comfortable in me knowing that I was going to pick Blake Shelton, even with all four chairs, they probably wouldn't have let all four chairs turn, I'm thinking. Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. But I was like, without a shadow of a doubt, Blake, no matter who I so they were like, okay. <laughs> I mean, that just makes sense. So, um, you have been very vocal, and I think this this was another reason why I connected with you. You have been very um, upfront and vocal about you know your weight, and you know the um, mm-hmm. the the ups and downs and the struggles you've had. And one reason I connected with you was because I had weight loss surgery, and I heard you. Mm-hmm. I think it was on. I think you were on um, the Terrell show when you mm-hmm. probably first. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember if it was in your voice package or if you first actually talked about it. On it was. Um, I think it was. I don't. I'm not really sure because I I did mention it on the voice, but I'm not sure if they edited that part in. Um, so it could have been the voice. Okay, and then I was like, oh my God, like I had that surgery, and you know, yeah. it's you know it, you know <laughs> I've. Oof, I ain't gonna talk about that, y'all. But it it's just I've, I, I haven't right. really been able to speak to someone who has experienced mm-hmm. that uh, with me and the ups and downs on trying to maintain it and how it, it really mm-hmm. can affect you mentally sometimes when you've lost it and then you gain some back and then you're trying yeah. to, you know, and how that goes. And how are you with it? Um, I think I'm doing pretty good. I think so. For those who don't know, oh, yeah, a lot of go, a lot goes into um the uh, preparation of it. If you have insurance, they make you see like a psychiatrist, um, and a nutritionist, um, because it is mental. A lot of people um would think, oh, you overweight because you just eat a lot. And for me, I really didn't eat. You know what I'm saying? I would get up in the morning and hit the ground running. And then next thing I know, it's 9 o'clock at night. And I'm like, dang, I didn't eat. So then I would go to Jack in the Box and get a number two with some egg rolls on the side. I get a whole bunch of food and be eating at 10 o'clock at night, my one meal. You know what I'm saying? So the perception of why people are big in the first place is, you know, a little um, jaded and altered um, 
but I didn't have any like health issues. So when I went through the process of getting weight loss surgery the first time, I uh, went through my insurance and I did the six months of the psychiatric evaluation and the nutrition. And in six months, I had lost 17 pounds and they denied me. So I was just like, dang, that's crazy. Because um, they thought, I guess, 17 pounds within six months was, you know, good progress and you could do it on your own. And at the time, I was 18. I didn't have any like health issues, no diabetes. So they were just like, girl, just stop eating. <laughs> Lose weight on your own. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> for real. And I, I was like, okay. I kind of felt defeated, but I moved on. Um, and so I started touring and then I became a mom. And that pregnancy, um, I had diabetes at the age of like 22, 23 when I was diagnosed with it. And um, it was no education really given to me. Like the doctor was just like, you got diabetes, take this medication and you know, bye. You know, it was, it was just like no type of education on it. So from 23 to about 27, I'm just living life, um, not knowing what I'm really doing to myself. And so when I got pregnant, my doctor saw that I already had diabetes. And so that made my pregnancy high risk. And so mm. that um, being said, the way that they treated me just for having diabetes and being pregnant, it was horrible. Um, the doctor actually told me that he would prefer a mother that was struggling with like cocaine, like had a cocaine addiction versus a mother that had diabetes because the um, effect was worse on the baby. So that was a wake-up call for me, number one. Because I was just like, what? Wait, so you saying I choose this well and it's okay? <laughs> I'll be a better candidate or something? Like, what are you talking about? Um, but it was a wake It was very shocking. Like, wow. So, you know, me having diabetes and being pregnant can do more harm than me being a, a cocaine addict and being pregnant. Who would have thought? But it made me really, you know, try to figure out, well, what is this diabetes? What can I do? Like, I tried to educate myself because my child now, life depended on it. So throughout that pregnancy, I ended up losing, like, 54 pounds while I was pregnant. So they also told me, like, you only got, like, 15 pounds to gain or you got to do a C-section off the rip. So I took my pregnancy very serious because, you know, I've always wanted to be a mom, and um, I just went into straight protection mode and I felt like I didn't really have any control because what is diabetes? Like, it's not something that you physically can see. So how do I like protect myself, my child? Um, so I researched it and I ended up like, you know, cutting out a lot of juice. I love juice. Like I don't drink water. Water is so gross, but I had to change that. Um, and just changing a lot of lifestyle things. So make a long story short, I ended up losing weight while I was pregnant and I thought I was real cute. Um, and literally five months after having my baby, Miss Onika calls, like, we're going on tour. So I'm like, okay, great. Um, I go on tour, and baby, those 50 pounds I lost during pregnancy found every bit of me plus 10. And I was just like, what is going on? Here I am thinking I'm working out with the dancers, eating salads and stuff. And I gained all my way back on this tour. So I was just like, something has to give. Um, so I started you know, thinking about the weight loss surgery again. Um, and at this time, when I get off tour with Nikki, she, you know, lets us know she's going to do another album, but it'll probably be a year or two. Um, so at that time, me and my husband was like, okay, what are we going to do? I take a teaching job um, at this uh, elementary and junior high school teaching music. And they had really, really good benefits. Um, but the part of it was I got to be off like the kids. So I got Christmas vacation. I got summer. So, um, 
Nikki was, you know, dropping hints that music was coming out. So I knew a tour was coming, and I was like, it's now or never to, like, put me first before I have to go and be that supporting for everybody else. You get what I'm saying? Right. So Christmas vacation, when I was working at this school, I said, you know what, I'm just going to go on and get this weight loss surgery. I paid out of pocket because I didn't want the... I didn't really have the time, first of all, to give someone six months to evaluate me then to say, hey, never mind. Um, so I was like, I'm just going to pay out of pocket. I went to, um, I researched a doctor who was a um, military surgeon, um, but he had a practice in Tijuana. And I'm from California, so San Diego is literally two hours away from my crib. And um, Tijuana is literally the border. So I okay. went and had my surgery in Mexico. Uh-huh. And um, then I came back to California, and they gave me everything. Like, the, um, they recorded my surgery for me to show my doctor. I had, like, my x-rays of what now my new stomach looked like. So I had to, you know, I had everything that I needed wow. to report back to my insurance when I went back home. But I did what I had to do, you know, to better my life. I had a daughter who I wanted to be here for. Um, I had a career that gave me a small window to get it together <laughs> and I took it. So I had the gastric sleeve, um, in 2015, I think yeah, 15, December 15. And, um, it changed my life. Like a month later, literally 30 days after having my surgery, I went to the doctor for my uh, first follow-up. And when they did my blood work, my A1C was so, like, amazing. They took me off my diabetic medicine right then and there. Wow, so a month wow. after this life-changing surgery, I no longer had to take metformin. metformin. So I was just like, okay, this not only was for my daughter, but it was my health. Like, right. I needed to take control of what I had lost. And so um, I was maybe, like, seven months out, and I was already down 100 pounds. I had got a trainer. I took this thing so serious. And, you know, I was fine as wine. I did the voice. I got into a new relationship. I was going through a divorce at the time um, when I was doing uh, the voice. And, yeah, it was a a lot going on. Honey, she was kind of small, too, because she was stressed. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, I'm going to give gastric sleeve a little credit, but, too, she was stressed out 2016, 2017. Like, Lord, what am I going to do? But it it all worked together for my good. It was crazy. Like, I literally left one of the best tours I thought could ever happen. I'm I'm this little girl growing up, a Bad Boy fan, and I get to be the background singer for the 20th anniversary of Bad Boy. And I'm going through a divorce. So I'm on stage literally, like, going through the motions of the show. But in the back of my mind, like, girl, you're about to be a single parent, so maybe you should leave some money over here. Maybe you should pay, like, two months or three months of your rent. Like, but I'm supposed to be enjoying, like, you know, right. it's Faith Evans. I'm singing with Faith Evans right now. Like, Carl Thomas is doing Summer Rain. Get, get in the game, girl. Right. But life was kicking my butt behind the scenes, but I still had a job to do. So it's just like, I'm, I'm going to write a book because <laughs> Honey grew up in some things. You really but, should. You know? But it's I actually like, went to that tour because my best friend did makeup for um Total um really yeah my best friend Chicago was alive um it was live in Chicago too yeah (laughs) my my best friend did the makeup for um total oh no the entire tour she traveled you saw me up there um 
You saw me up there, Diddy, about in there because I was up there. Diddy, <laughs> one piece. This is it, though. That was me. Stressed out. Thinking about my rent. <laughs> okay. Um, but no, I got into a, a beautiful relationship. Um, and your girl has put on like 30 pounds, maybe 40. <laughs> Um, but I'm not, I'm not necessarily like down about it. I'm going to correct it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the surgery was the best thing. I wish I would have done it sooner because it, it literally, um, it opened so many doors. Like I said, going back to how this industry is, it's definitely like what you look like, you know? Yeah. And if I was still 356, I probably wouldn't have been diddy bopping on the tour. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't have landed that gig. I don't think. Um, so I, I definitely had to put in the work to to advance in something that I said I wanted to be great in. And I'm, I, I am not ashamed of that because it not only um, saved my life health-wise, um, I feel like my daughter is happy that I can actually run with her outside versus sitting there watching her do some stuff, you know? Right. And my job, my career opened up to more possibilities because now, unfortunately, you know, that's the that's the truth. They, they rather see, you know, something that's more appealing to the eye than not. And if that's what I wanted to be a part of, I had to do the work for it. So I'm not, I'm not mad at that either. Um, but I still got work to do, you know, I need to push back because I'm at home in this quarantine eating. Girl. Oh, it's not quarantine no more. <laughs> Listen, it's, 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 are y'all, y'all free? No, but I know this, um, you know, we're, we're taping, for ahead, so we might not be in the house in June, really. We might, Child, yeah, we will. <laughs> we should, we will, we, right. <laughs> we, we still will be here in June. We still gonna be in the house. Yeah, I had my surgery in 2012, so I had mine three years before yours when nobody really knew what, okay. a, what a sleeve was. Um, right, and I wish my insurance would have did six months of um psychiatric evaluation because I had one session for 20 minutes and he said, Okay, you good. So if he really? pro- yeah, if he probably would really would have sat down with me, he would have been like, yeah, you probably not ready for this, <laughs> or he probably would have gave me a little bit more. I I really went yeah. into the surgery and that's, that's blindsided. The thing. It is yeah, and that sucks because it is. I think because I went through the psychiatric thing a long time ago, I knew what to expect. Right. So doing it like out of the pocket, I wouldn't recommend that to anyone who who hasn't um really sat down with someone to talk about it because eating is emotional yes you know and if you don't really know what attaches you to the food and you get this surgery and you can only hold four ounces at a time you gonna be upset like i have friends who've had the surgery and they're upset that they can't eat what's on their plate and it's permanent so you're going to be upset for the rest of your life that you can only have three grapes versus ten you know, so it's like if you haven't wrapped your mind that number one, now how I even digest and consume food will never be the same. You're gonna be messed up. Yes, you are. And throwing up and every other every other listen. second. <laughs> you know, so it's it's definitely um, it's not a quick fix. You no. it's work. You still have to do work. You still have to do work. And if you're not mentally prepared or even educated on what to expect, you're gonna be miserable right. and be like, what did I do? You know? And then that plays a whole nother thing on your psyche because this is something 
especially with the gastric sleeve, it's not reversible. You have now cut off your organ, like your physical stomach has now been cut in half. Yes, and that has been taken out. And now you have this little stomach that is permanently little unless you stretch it back out. <laughs> so it's like your mind has to really be prepared to lifestyle change or you're going to be miserable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, my mind was made up because I was tired. <laughs> Listen, you were ready. I was tired. <laughs> I was ready. I was ready. So, I couldn't. So can we I talk about like, this Lord, EP? Let's get into it. Let's talk about this EP. <laughs> Listen, because... The road less travel. The road less travel. Listen, because it seems like a lot of people, a lot of um, fans don't understand what it takes to do an EP or an album or anything and it's like as soon as you Man. get off the voice stage oh my god when, when we gonna hear some music from you and it's like yeah. <laughs> can I collect my thoughts I just, it's like right. and we're see actually my baby? under contract we're under contract for six months where we can't release anything and that's purposely so it's not that we sitting there trying to gather our bears we ready it's just that we can't right they don't want, if you notice, especially with The Voice, they have two seasons a year. Yes. So they don't want you to, like, get the momentum off this season, and then you take away from this new season that they're about to premiere two months, three months later. That's true. So they they make us wait so that by the time we do release something, you already wrapped up in season 15. Right. And you ain't even checking for the person that got eliminated through the knockout or the person that went home live week one you know what i'm saying because they've had to wait this long period of time <laughs> and so that's already a little set up for you know struggle mm-hmm. but um <laughs> with me my situation was a little different um because i was married to my producer so my music um flow or how i pushed out music in the past used to be like night and day like the turnover rate was like you know like clockwork crazy um but because i lost that um i had to kind of start over okay from ground zero finding a studio finding producers because i had all of that in-house you know i didn't have to go anywhere i was spoiled um so i had a lot of stuff stacked up against me not only did i no longer have my go-to i had to find a new studio i had to find new engineers new producers but i also switched my genre so the network of producers that I know, they do R&B and hip-hop, and they're like, country? What is that? So it's like I didn't even have, like, the resources that I had and the networks that I built were in a whole other genre. It was in hip-hop and R&B. Right. So it was like, y'all not helpful because y'all don't know, and that's not y'all fault. So it was like, I, I created this for myself, like, the, the, the wall to climb, but I was determined to climb it because it was just like, I'm not going to go on national television, say this is what I want, and then once it's over just let it go by the wayside because this was something that I truly believed in. And um, JoJo's management became my manager. Like I said, that tour was the best tour. We literally became family. And they, you know, got a chance to like know me as a person and that grew their belief. It's just like the gift is there, but who you are as an individual makes me want to help you even more. Right. And so they being someone who has um, nurtured JoJo's career forever through her ups and downs, now took me under their wings with all of their access and resources to people. And um, I flew to Nashville and um, met up with this guy named John Tucker. And he reached out 
to um, this guy named Lamont Leach, who's a, a recruiter for The Voice. So he kind of like scopes out Instagram and YouTube for new artists, and then he reaches out to them and offers them, um, you know, an audition. And so John um, had been reached out to Lamont himself to be on The Voice. And so that's how he got that, um, you know, the connection with Lamont. And in my season, he reached out to him like, yo, this girl on uh, season 13, she's like this country artist and I have the perfect song for her. And he's also um, African-American, but he's from Ohio, but he lives in Nashville. So he has like the country element, right? And so Lamont reached out to me like, hey, I got this guy in Nashville who says he has, you know, the song. And so they we got in contact. He emailed me, um, this song and it was called Holy Ghost. And so oh I was like, God. yeah, this song is amazing. <laughs> right? Okay. So and it was so crazy because the the song was already written. I literally tweaked like three words in that song. But when it starts off it says six years old sitting under the pew, grandma well, it said mama's in the choir. But when I grew up, my grandmother took me to church. So I changed the narrative to fit my life. So that was like the only thing that I really changed, like, you know, certain things like that. But from when we did the song, when he sent me the song, the first line says six years old sitting under the pew. And then I have a line that says 25 years later, it equals to the age that I was when he handed me that song. So I was blown away. Like, that's crazy. Like, how does that, like, I was just like, all right, Lord, this is my song. Like, this has to be the one. Because, hello, it like really told my story about how, you know, growing up in church, but then when I became this background singer who's touring behind Adam Lambert, who is outright proud, you know, to be a gay male, um, and then I get on a tour with a Nicki Minaj who's showing everything from the rooted to the tuna, the church people are like, Keisha has lost her mind. She is just lost in the world of sin. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, no, I'm doing my job. <laughs> this is what's paying my grandmother's life bill. You know what I'm saying? But your judgmentalness wouldn't let you see past that. So it's like, bless your heart, okay? Bless right. y'all little judgmental self. So this all spoke <laughs> to me because it was me. It's like, that's how the church made me feel. Like, I had to be perfect and through life, growing up, you know, singing on a tour with Nikki getting blessed. It's like, I'm not singing church music and I'm getting blessed beyond measure. So God, what are you saying? Oh, I'm not perfect and you knew that. So listen, you might smoke and you might drink, but you still got the Holy Ghost and you ain't got to let him go. You don't have to be ashamed because that's why he died. He knew you weren't going to be perfect. Who knew you was going to like to sip on that yet? Right. Okay. <laughs> and he said, hey, Period. one day, one day you're going to need to put it down. But until then, just try your heart. <laughs> But still love me. You know what I'm saying? Like, we make God so deep. And he is just a God of love. He's forgiveness. That's why he gave us that opportunity. That's when he died. He right. died for us to be able to be like, hey, I know I wasn't going to get it right. That's why you did that. So that was that song just blew me away. And so I went to Nashville and met up with John. And we wrote paper mm. um, with this uh, other girl named Callie Wilson. And then the writing process in Nashville is so different. It's different, like... I'm used to, like, you know, in R&B or hip-hop, you have someone that has made the track already, and you're listening to an instrumental, and then you create your song, and then you go in there and record it. But the country community, you're sitting around with, like, two or three people. They they all have guitars, and they're playing their, you know, their little melody in their head, and then they put everything together. But it's all organic, like, literally from scratch. 
And so that was new to me. Um, and so John and Callie both played the guitar. So they're, you know, bouncing ideas off of each other. And I'm just helpful with the words because it's my story and my life. And we come and, and make something so beautiful. And paper is like really my jam because it's my story. Um, embellished a little bit because in the second verse we talk about domestic violence a little bit and I ain't never got beat up but somebody is and that's what music is about like talking about you know things that are going on to help someone get free from it and so paper is that type of song for me where it's really um close to home because it's partially my story of how I was deceived and I'm sure it's a lot of people's story of how they innocence was taken away they lost their virginity to a smooth talking he said i'm always be here and then you gave it to him and they bounce you know right. you lie you're a liar <laughs> <laughs> okay um but it's, it's it's real life and i love the fact that i was able to create a body of work and it was only four songs but it was um kind of like the introductory of what country soul was but it was a story that i wanted to tell um, about this road that was less traveled. Here I am, this African-American woman um, from Inglewood, California, saying she wants to do country music. Um, and this was my way of showing exactly what I meant by that. And I had opportunities to present it to record companies in Nashville, and they said it wasn't country music. And I think it's because, you know, my skin tone, because if, if I carry Underwood with sing paper, it would be a Grammy Award winning. You know Baby, everything about um, this EP. Let me go. <laughs> let me go ahead and just um just put a spotlight on you real quick for my people who know me, who listen to my podcast, who b- listen to me when I tell y'all this. This out. This EP is every bit of country with some soul in it. When I tell you when this girl came out with Holy Ghost and I heard the tambourine and I said, "Come through with this tambourine," because. I right. I wanted to grab a tambourine <laughs> so bad and that song took me straight mm-hmm. to church. Mm-hmm. And like I I, yeah. I I love this EP and I paid for it. I didn't just download it. I she, 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 <laughs> she, she, she deserved every bit of that coin. It is okay. like this is it's really good. It's really good. Like and what I love about it the most Thank is every day depending on when I when it first came out I was like okay bam holy ghost that's my favorite song bam and then I'm like wait a minute then papers because first let's get away came out and I was like oh I love this and then yeah I was like, let's get away was the very first song um that I recorded um when I decided let's do a country song and I was still married at the time so that song is actually produced by my ex-husband um, but that was our very first stab at what country pop song is what we said in the beginning, but I just took the pop on out. And so <laughs> um, that was the very first song we did, Let's Get Away. It was produced by him, and we did that in, like, 2015 when we oh, first wow. came up with this, you know, idea to go country. So, yeah, so this wasn't something that just happened with the voice. I had been working on it um and have been told every step of the way that it's not gonna work you should just give it up you know so when the voice came i was like aha this is a way to get it out there because record execs and all these a and r people were saying hey it's not gonna work you don't see anybody that looks like you and it's just like you ain't gotta look like me you know what i'm saying like be (laughs) legendary be the first to do it you know but they it's about risk too and no one was willing to take the risk so when the voice you know put it out there it made 
it easier for the record exec or the A&R to like see that, okay, people will consume it, but it still was too scary for them to give me a deal. They still didn't, you know, that's, go for So it so, wasn't that's, uh, that's <laughs> that so much annoying. of a... <laughs> That's what no, because it's really good. I'm not. I'm not just saying that. Like it's really good, and I do listen to country music ish. And your your EP definitely told a story. Every single song told a specific story where I felt like I was there. I felt like I was standing right next to the person you was talking to and just Thank watching you. their story. Like I loved it. Whiskey right. Eyes is great. Like every yeah. single day, I yeah. depending on what I, what I got going on in my life depends on which song mm-hmm. I'm blasting on this EP the most. <laughs> Right now is whiskey ass because I'm going through I'm going through a relationship issue. So right now that's what that is. Oh. But <laughs> you going around and round. Yes, yes. We go around, all around. <laughs> that's that's what's going yeah, on right we've now. All been there. But you know, yeah. when I was upset and was like, "Oh, you liar," then it was papers. So mm-hmm. your EP uh-huh. is it's it's a it's a daily journal. Um. It, it's a journal. It's a it's a, it's a journal. Wait to produce I love it. More. It is. It is. I'm glad you put it that way. And you know, um, in this new season, I, I am going to be transitioning a little bit. It won't be as um, country as far as the instrumentation, because um, I also feel like um, my purpose for doing it allowed a lot of people who had the passion. Uh, to do it and maybe not the platform or even the guts to do it, to do it. And so now I'm seeing so many more African-American women and men doing country music. Yes, you know? ma'am. Let's y'all um, know Keisha Renee was the first on The Voice. <laughs> and right after she did it, about five more people of color on The Voice started coming on doing country music. I'm just letting you know. Just yes. letting you know. And, then, and one I of mean, them got I... to the finale. Two of them. Right, two right. of them got to the finale, <laughs> but and they wouldn't have had that I'm, idea I'm, if it wasn't for Keisha. Just saying, right? Or and, and they probably did have the idea, but the voice probably wouldn't have given it a chance if they wouldn't have taken a chance exactly. on me and That's seen true. that okay, it's it's you know doable. So I can't take full credit. Like I'm the only one that was sitting at home doing country because there's so many people. There's actually an artist um, by the name of Nikki Guyton, um, yes. and I became really good friends with her. But she's actually signed to a record label, and she's African-American, and she does country. So she's actually, you know, made it that step further to actually getting a deal. Um, but, you know, it, Nick, Nikki is an amazing singer, and she sounds like, um, you know, the country, the traditional country artist. So mm-hmm. if you were to close your eyes, you wouldn't know if she was black or white, you know, because she sounds like, you know, she has the twang and that beautiful um, you know, storytelling voice right. that country, um, the country community, you know, loves. That's what I think they, um, you know, like how gospel, how we love our runs and our acrobats to country music. I think it's the twang that brings them in. You know, right. that's, that's something that they like about it. And because I didn't have that, I feel like it was hard for them to um, to even want to, um, you know, digest it. Because it, it was missing that ingredient, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, if, you know, there are people out there that will break the mold because they're safer or closer to what that genre is willing to, um, you know, let in. And by no means do I feel defeated. Um, but I also um, can't see myself um, continuing to knock down 
um, this type of door um, exclusively. I will continue to make music that will have a fiddle in it, but I'll also make music that, you know, may sound like Whitney Houston. Because I just want to sing. I want to be able to tell stories, and I don't want to have to put a label on it. Because when you do, then you get the backlash of you ain't black enough, or you too black, or you don't have enough soul, or you got too much soul. And it's just like, you know, we're in a, especially now where everyone's quarantined and we're at home, I feel like this is the uh, great opportunity to do music. It's, it's not, um, we don't really have anywhere to categorize anyone. We're all on the um, the TV screen. You know, right, we're all on the computer. We're all on IG. It's everyone's platform at this point. So I just want to make music that speaks to whoever is willing to listen. Like I said, on The Voice, every artist is like a cup of tea. If you don't like this one, pick up another tea bag. But you got to you gotta consume something. Right. And whatever that is, like it, support it, because that person needs it. If I ain't the person that you want to consume, that's cool. But consume something, because we need it. That artist needs it. I need whoever is uh, liking me. Buy me up. <laughs> Listen, you know? if I have multiple phones, and if you don't, just skip over me. But you don't got to tell me. <laughs> okay, you ain't got to tell me you don't like my tea. That's fine. We don't need <laughs> us to review. <laughs> well, I just want to talk about one more thing before I let you go, um, and that's the most recent and current thing, and that would be Sunday service. And yes. I. You know, that kind of just came, that, that, that came out of just nowhere for me. Like, I'm just listening, you know, know doing stuff, and then pop up. I'm like, wait, what? Keisha, what? So, I don't even want to talk about, yeah. you know, how that came about and all that, good, all that other stuff, because I know you got your <laughs> L.A. connections and things like that. But did you see, yeah. foresee, did you foresee it taking off the way it did? I did it. I did it. I see what's really crazy. Okay, so um, 2018, at the end of 2018, I was um, doing some spot dates with Tamar. That's my homie. Hey, girl. And um, it, like, carried us over into the new year. Like, the last show was, like, on December 29th or something like that. And so it was on the East Coast. And so me and my fiancé decided to bring in New Year's in New York. And so... We drove over to New York and we brought in New Year's. And then um, while I was there, you know, from New Year's, I think I went back to Ohio because that's where my man's from. But something happened to where that very first week of um, 2019, this video goes viral that Kanye has this like choir thing going on. And so when I see the video, like I'm in Ohio in my pajamas, minding my own business, and I see this video. And, like, all of my friends are in this choir. So I'm just like, oh, okay, this is weird. Um, but I didn't think nothing of it. I was just like, oh, okay, my friends, you know, got a coin. Kanye's crazy. Okay, you know, we all thought it. And so the next week I get home from my vacation and um, Jason White, who is the director over the choir, who um, I've worked with for years, dating back to, like, 2010 because he has a production company called White Throne that um, any time you see a choir like on the Grammys or on an award show or on like a uh, America's Got Talent, they got a big old choir for the finale. He's probably the contractor who got the choir together. So I've been working with him for years. So when he called me and was just like, yo, you know, we doing this thing with Kanye. Um, I want you to be a part of it. I really don't know what it is, but, you know, we rehearsing on Saturday. See you there. So I was just like, oh, okay, this is the thing I just saw on, you know, World Star. All right, here we go. <laughs> so <laughs> I go to the rehearsal and 
um, you know, they're explaining like, you know, Kanye is on this spiritual journey and this is just something that's developing. So we were like, oh, okay. So um, we were all kind of, you know, hesitant though, because everybody, you know, heard the interview where he was like, slavery is a choice and all this. So we don't know what to do, you know? And so, um, you know, he comes to rehearsal and kind of like speaks his piece and to hear him, uh, you know, talk about, or I should say take ownership of, you know, using his platform, speaking his mind kind of isn't the best thing to do. Um, but he took ownership of like his behavior and then let us in as to, you know, some of the mental health things that he was going through, but confess that like, throughout it all, he's found God and that has been like the greatest resolve to a lot of his problems. Um, and someone that's a believer, I was there to feel it, witness it and really see the sincerity of it. Um, so that's what kind of like set the, okay, this is a safe ground territory for me. Cause I was definitely guarded. I think we all were, cause we didn't know, like, you know, and I think being spiritual people, because everyone in the choir, um, I can't say everyone, but in the beginning, it was only like 40 of us, and we were all working, um, we were all working um, musicians, so it was like, you know, my circle, my community, and um, we got to do something together, so that was beautiful, but it was for God, so it's like, we all were like spiritually um, grounded, and so it was the first time where um, 40 friends got to do one job together, and it was still like, God foundation. So it was beautiful, right? And so to see it develop each week and get bigger and bigger, but the the moral was this person's walk with Christ. Um it was great. Like I was so honored to be a part of it and to physically see it from the inside out and outside in like his um his transformation and his uh his walk with God and how serious he took it. And how he wanted to use his platform to spread how God is good and how God should be like in the the number one thing in your life. Um, I felt very proud to be a part of that. I still am. Um, and I started defending them like they was calling me crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like all the stuff they were saying, we're in a cult and this and that. And it's just like to have been there. I don't know if you've ever been to a Sunday service, but yes, like in the beginning when we were outside in the wilderness it was just like really 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 crazy like the the um the presence of god it was just like i grew up in church right and this was my argument like i've grown up in church my whole life and the presence of god that i felt during sunday service outweighs any experience i've ever felt in the four walls of the church Wow. So that's why I was just like, y'all are condemning something that you don't even know. And to be there, it was the best experience. It was like to worship with someone like Kanye West, it was free. So much freedom in it because in the beginning it was so private and it was it was open to people that he knew wouldn't necessarily go to a church. Right. You know, either because of their their status or who they are, but they're just they're just not going to someone's church to sit on the third row. You know what I'm saying? So he created this opportunity for people who wouldn't necessarily go to church. But hey, I'm I'm learning that God is the way, the truth, and the life. So come experience it. And these people were given an opportunity to worship 
so freely because there weren't any cameras, there weren't any judgment. And it was the best um, thing I've ever experienced, like the, the most freedom in God. It was, it was beautiful. And so I will, I'll still, I'll see this thing out to the end of the world when Mr. West I physically saw lives being changed. People that are in the industry and the industry is crazy. I, I'm just a background singer. And some of the things that I've seen, it's crazy. So it's like, you really are surrounded by a lot of evil things, a lot of like temptation and for you to proclaim Christ in front of the whole world when you were the biggest person that probably was contributing to a lot of the crazy stuff behind the scenes. It was, it was beautiful to be a part of that. He brought so many other um, young people who just was a lover of his music to Christ. He brought people from all over the world, you know, who probably didn't even know what Jesus was. Now they're interested just because Kanye West said Jesus is King. So I was, I was very proud to be a part of, the biggest God movement ever. <laughs> I feel, you know what I'm saying? It's yes. the passion of the Christ. We had the whole world on fire for God. Yes. Um, and we were just singing songs. And so it, it had, it turned out to be the greatest year of my life. I, I last year was amazing. Every weekend we were somewhere else um, on stage dancing, but for God, giving our gifts back to God. Like that's the ultimate Thing, right growing up in church you right. sing for the lord and then you go out and do all these things but then it comes back for a circle and you're doing what you love and you're glorifying god you're bringing people to christ and you did it with one of the most um dislike artists but hey god can use anybody Anyone. as believers we should know in the bible he used thieves hoes he used yes ma'am the people you least expected, okay? The ones that had it all together, they wasn't being used. They was just all together in their house. You know what I'm saying? He right. used the people that you wouldn't believe to, like, alter everything. So I wasn't surprised to use a Kanye West. <laughs> Absolutely. Wasn't surprised at all. But I was blessed to be a part of it, for sure. Yes. And I, I, I still listen to that album. I love it. You guys... Your yeah. sound, the sound is just, <laughs> it's different. And I, what I love the most about it is how you, you, you're taking, so I, 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 just real quick, I went to, I used, I was a part of a mega church and we would use, uh, we would do like shows and, and, and we would use um, secular music or secular moments mm-hmm. in music and turn it around and make it something else. And so when yeah. you guys use like R&B classics, like, you know, um, so weak from SWV and things like that and mm-hmm. make it about God and it's like whoa like well y'all did so anxious right. I was through I was through I said stop the music <laughs> I, was, Listen, I was like they really it was getting a little the- racy but it was good though because it got the people talking and a lot of the argument was like um, you shouldn't do that because it's going to make me think of the original song but it's like for some of these young kids who don't even know who Genuine is, yeah. they wasn't going to look at So Ancient. They just thought this is a dope song and they singing about God. Yes. That Aaliyah song we did. I mean, it's just like yes. if you allow yourself to think about what the song used to be, then maybe you've got a little work to do, um, Sister So-and-So. Right. Like, don't let your mind revolt back to, like, I think we did um, our biggest and most controversial one um, was As We Lay. But we called it As We Pray. 
Baby, this face was mad that we took that song and flipped it because she's talking about sleeping with someone else's man. Yes. We, I mean, we know the original song, yep. but it's like the version that we did, listen to the words and let it minister to you. Let's not be in the past. We're not talking about land. <laughs> okay. Like if you but it was effective. It was effective more than it wasn't. You know, people aren't going to fight something that, number one, they didn't come up with or that they're not a part of. So it's, it's going to come with that. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, the mission was to save souls. The mission was to take God into the world. We performed at Coachella, something that has never been done. They have never offered or opened that stage up to a Christian act or a gospel act. And on Easter Sunday at Coachella, we ministered to 50,000 people about God and him dying for them. Then people probably came high, drunk, ready to party at 9 o'clock in the morning because it's Coachella. That's what they do. But we gave them God, and they all had their hands raised. I turned around and looked at 50,000 people with their hands lifted to God in reverence, in surrendering, whatever they were going through in that moment. Now, after it was over, they probably went back to drinking and smoking and doing whatever it was, but that was the mission to introduce God to people who wouldn't go to church, right. who wouldn't even know about him. We did what we were supposed to do. And whatever you took off of that, that's on you. But I bet you it got people thinking, who exactly. is this Christ? Who is this person that died for me? I want to know more about him. And that's what we did. We did that every weekend. And for the church to be the main ones that was knocking us down, it was sad. But God was glorified. Yes, he was. 20,000 times over. So That's what's up. Whoop, whoop. So, what is, <laughs> so what is next for you? I mean, I know you got a lot of things and, um, you know, Rona, yes. Corona has pushed, pushed some stuff back. I Mr. know Rona needs to leave me alive. Okay, because I promise you, I wanted I wanted a little tour. I wanted to do a little. I wanted, okay. Oh, I wanted you to come I had here a perform. Built and everything. And now, I know. And I had a stage moving. built and everything. And we were supposed to. That's okay. It's coming where you at. Come on. <laughs> I'm coming where you at. But no, I have a few things that I'm working on um, because we're going to put a lot of things in perspective, especially being a creative, someone that, um, you know, they're nine to five, so to speak, depends on live crowds, people gathering. It's just like, okay, girl, what you about to do? Um, but it really um, allowed me to tap into a lot of ideas that God put in me so many years ago where I felt like, okay, I don't got time because I'm facing this bag. I'm doing this. I'm a mama. I'm a dad. I'm a this. Um, it gave me a lot of opportunity to like focus on it. So um, I started a background agency um, about a year ago. And it was supposed to launch in March, but Rona said, hey, you won't have a gathering of more than 10 people. Um, <laughs> so that has been put on pause, but I started a background agency because as a background singer, um, you're kind of like a free agent. You know, people call you and be like, hey, come do this for $100 and you really don't have like, that negotiating factor to kind of get you what you deserve or anyone really telling you, Hey, the rate is this. And so through my years of experience, I kind of know, you know, the do's and the don'ts, the, you know, bare minimum. And if you really, okay, you trying it type thing. And so I wanted to start something that kind of protected, um, you know, our, our lane, our, um, our profession. And so I started an agency. Um, and through the years, I've, you know, received a lot of calls like, hey, Keisha, you available to do this? And if I wasn't, I'd be like, no, but I got this girl or I got this guy. And I started a lot of people's, um, you know, background or touring careers off of just a referral and, you know, didn't have anything to show for it. So I also thought, hey, let's start something since I'm, you know, popping people's careers off anyway and picking a little percent. Yes. <laughs> so that's 
you know, a part of the agency too. So I have um, exclusive and non-exclusive uh, contracts because there are artists, I mean, there are background singers that are friends of mine that are already established and don't necessarily need like my help to start them. But if they, you know, get booked through me, then, you know, they got to break me off. Right. But yeah, I started that. Um, so that is That's exciting. Really um, and once, you know, we're able to commute or commune together, I should say, um, via concerts and live events. Hopefully, I will be booking all of my people on y'all's tour. So, how that? Um, <laughs> and then I started, um, so through my weight loss journey, um, I uh, created like a trail mix that I put together because I, um, I'm always on the go. And when I try to like focus on eating right, um, someone who's also had, you know, the bariatric surgery, our intake needs to be like high protein. So yes. I came up with this um, protein trail mix that I was just making on my own. Um, and one day, one of my friends, I was taking him to the airport and he was like, man, I'm hungry. So I just gave him the rest of my trail mix. Like here, you know, here's a little, a little snack or whatever. And when he ate it, he was like, Keisha, this is really good. Like he slipped out and I'm like, you gassed me up. He was like, no, like it's so good. So I made a few more bags and passed them out um, to a few of my friends and everybody was gassing me up. So I was like, okay, I'm about to make a trail mix. Um, <laughs> so okay, I am kind of a developed listen. It's good friends. It's really good. And it's super healthy. Like it has like this, um, it's like a yogurt. Um, it looks like a chocolate chip, like a white chocolate chip, mm -hmm. but it's not. It's yogurt. And it's so good. So it's like a sweet, savory, like, trail mix. It's real bomb. But anyways, um, I'm still trying to, like, think of a name for it. Um, and then I have a friend that's actually, like, Please a... Please don't um, do Keisha's treats. Please don't. Keisha's what? Please don't do Keisha's treats. <laughs> Please don't do Keisha's treats? No. One of my friends told me to do fat Keisha. And I was just like, you're an idiot. He was like, no, because that could turn into a lot. Like, you could have uh, fat Keisha nuts, fat pizza, fat this. And I was just like, but his whole um, reasoning for fat Keisha is totally different. Because he was like, he refers to me like the person I was when I was fat and then now. So that's his his about and I think I'm ready to um really like go down memory lane like I did a little bit with paper but I really want to like tell my story um because a lot of times when you're this person who um I wouldn't consider myself famous but because I work with a lot of known people it gives me this um you know this access to their fans and then they look at me like you know I'm somebody in the world <laughs> like I ain't got no problems and that's a lot of pressure like to try to like you know, keep this, like, positive patty. People like, oh, my God, you inspire me. And I don't ever want to let people down. Um, but it's days where it's like, I'm in the corner and I just want to scream. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, if I do that, then I feel like I'll be letting people down. 
who think I'm just so inspirational and so helpful, but it's like, I'm human too. And so I was talking to one of my friends and I really want my next body of work to be like really transparent to um, who I am in my journey. Like Instagram and social media will definitely give you a perception like, you know, Keisha has a really good life and don't get me wrong, I do. Um, but the trials and tribulations that I've had to handle behind closed doors would probably um, break a lot of people. Um, and so without, you know, someone like you knowing that I'm almost broken over here, you know, I'm on the bad boy tour, but like I said, I'm going through a divorce and nobody knows. So I have to keep it together. You know, it's a, it, it's been a lot of those, um, you know, those trials and tribulations along my journey. And I, I kind of want to expose them so that I don't have to feel like I have to be perfect. I feel like if I let you guys in on how, you know, I got trials and tributes too. Maybe we can all kind of like, you know, see it out together. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can only imagine like what a Beyonce feels or even Brandy. Like now I understand why she did what she did, you know, feeling like she has to tell a story about conceiving a child out of wedlock. It's like people put the pressure on you. And it's just like, that's why Holly Ghost spoke to me. It's just like, listen, I'm going to have me a drink. And I'm going to smoke a joint every now and then. And guess what? You're not going to make me feel bad. Like the Lord don't love me. Yes, he does. Okay. Yes. It is a plant. (laughs) You know, so it's just like, at this point, um, I just want to like give music that helps. And I think there are a lot of people out there that probably feel like they got to keep it together, you know, for the gram or just for the appearance of it all. And it's just like, listen, you're going to lose your mind trying to please everybody and keep it together. So yes. let me expose how not together it has been, <laughs> but show you how good God is right. because he made y'all not see it, you know? Show, you, show so us I how you're just where, like us. Like you're just like us. Yeah. And everybody is. All these artists that we idolize and look up to, listen, they be having diarrhea and stomach aches just like us. Yep. <laughs> All the above. <laughs> and all the above like it's that real like people really kind of like dehumanize them if that's the word but they are breathing um being emotional beings just like everybody else and it's like if i someone who's not even at their level feels the pressure of like keeping it together and not having you know those days where you want to go on instagram live and say f all of this (laughs) you know what i'm saying or go on facebook and leave a post subliminally like everybody else you know but you can't do that because the minute you write a post, like your world is falling apart and people are like, oh my God, are you okay? And it's like, dang, I just said it's hot outside. Like, <laughs> calm down, folks. Like, you, you can't you can't say the smallest of things and people make it seem like you have like crushed their idea of you. And so that's a lot of pressure. Right. And y'all don't even know. Some days I be want to go on Facebook and cut everybody out. But I can't. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't. So... Well, Keisha, I'll just I put tr- it in a song. I truly <laughs> want to thank you for coming on and giving thank us, you for giving me, me a piece of your world. Uh, I just have like you, you, you are one of, you are definitely one of my favorite people, and no, I, I've enjoyed you. watching your journey that I clued into. Like I was, your journey was already going on, but you know, I took a seat. <laughs> um, I took a seat yeah. in your theater around 2017. I've been watching it ever since and it's just awesome like you're just a breath of fresh air and you're vocally you. your, your your vocals is just out of this world for me 
and I love everything that you put out. I love your energy. I love how real you are. And it's just been Thank a pleasure. <laughs> and I just, I truly, I truly appreciate you. Thank you. I, I am um, very honored to be uh, a part of your podcast and um, to have, like, you know, um, developed a deeper connection with you outside of just you being a fan. I feel like, you know, I pray for you, like I pray for my friends. You're uh, definitely included whenever you ask for anything, you know, a little send it up to the G-Man for me, I do. And um, I appreciate you. I appreciate your support because that's what us artists need. We need people who believe in us and believe in our message, um, you know, to keep us, um, you know, going and motivated to continue to put out music. So I appreciate you just as much as you appreciate me. So thank you. You're welcome. So go ahead and tell my people um, where they can find you at, because they definitely finna be looking after listening to this. <laughs> so you can find me everywhere: um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and it's all Keisha Renee. K e i s h a r e n e e. That's me. <laughs> yes, and go download that EP. Go download. Yes, Rolex Travel. It's out everywhere. Let me know what's your favorite song. And just, you know, give me your feedback. It's always wanted. To follow me on social media, you can go to Instagram. I'm very active on Instagram. Um, it's Cordero underscore Santiago. Follow me on Instagram to just stay in touch with everything I'll talk about. I'll update you on um, the upcoming episodes and things to look forward to. I'm so excited that I have an email address now for you guys to send me requests for topics any questions you have regarding a topic that I've already discussed, or if you just want to vent about something that's going on in your life that you want me to talk about on an episode, I have an email address for you to do all of those things. The email is darrowdaresyou at gmail.com. So I'll spell that for you. Darrow, D-A-R-O-D-A-R-E-S-U. Darrowdaresyou at gmail.com. Send me an email. Okay, well, thanks again, you guys, for listening. Thank you for being a part of this, Keisha Renee. And I'll talk to you guys next week.